0: You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson.
1: The reading is taken from Revelation, Chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. So the angel of the church in Philadelphia right? who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Our citizenship matters if you've always been an Australian citizen and given our very many rights and privileges here, I suspect we actually take our citizenship for granted. I have an eight week old baby daughter, Naomi, and think about it. She could have been born in North Korea and face the harsh dehumanizing existence of being a citizen there to being born in Australia. As a citizen here automatically gives her vastly different starting point safety economic privileges healthcare education rights as a female that she wouldn't otherwise enjoy as a citizen elsewhere at my previous church it was largely made up of people from the south sudan and to them citizenship was everything with tribal conflict happening right now. It means citizens are literally being slaughtered, villages burnt down just for belonging to the wrong minority group. Members of the church had sleepless nights. Can my loved one come here to Australia and enjoy the safety and freedoms we do? Sleepless nights, guilt, when family members are living in fear or living in camps in third countries, not knowing their fate. Or consider the devastation of Turkey's 7.8 earthquake last month, the heartache of the images of completely destroyed cities. You know, those horrific stories of loved ones being buried alive, heard underneath all that rubble, but rescue teams just couldn't come in time. Then the survivors literally left homeless, sleeping in freezing conditions, fearful of buildings. And it's not just that there were citizens living on a fault line. Evidence came out that their government corruptly took payments from building developers to overlook the earthquake building safety regulations designed to keep people safe. Now a nation is grieving 44,000 loved ones. Citizenship matters. Even here in Australia, the lucky country Some dodgy businesses have been exploiting international students, offering sponsorship for a skilled visa. Some misusing their power, making some workers effectively work for free, forcibly taking back wages because they know people are so desperate for citizenship here. Citizenship matters. Well, today we continue in our series called Dear Church in Revelation where with Jesus led us to his church in modern day Turkey and today's church, Philadelphia, had taken hit after hit after hit for following Jesus as citizens of Philadelphia. Jesus writes to his church here that had little strength. They were weary from their unrelenting trouble. Coming from three ways, from religious opposition, government opposition, and natural disasters. And the people were likely wondering, can we get through this? Firstly, they're weary from religious opposition. Verse nine, Jesus says to them, I'll make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. See, Philadelphia had a really large Jewish community. I'm talking many thousands. And they were socially and economically those with power. They were much of the buildings and businesses in the city. Meanwhile, the church was small, maybe like three dozen people, the size of a few of our life groups here. So this minority church experienced much opposition. The booming Jewish community boycotted the Christian businesses. And significantly, those in the synagogue blocked their message about Jesus. The church was literally locked out of the synagogue, stopped from worshipping Jesus, the true Messiah. The door was slammed shut. Calling these Jews lies might actually sound anti-Semitic here, but these Christians were likely ethnically Jewish themselves. This was a spiritual problem. See, their rejection of Jesus and his followers meant they had forfeited their privilege of being named as God's people. Jesus is saying the true Jews are those who profess the God of Israel has raised him to life. What's more, this church was also weary from government opposition. Like the other churches, they were citizens under the Roman emperor who demanded complete loyalty. And it greatly disrupted their daily lives to get into the market, declare that the emperor is Lord. But this church was loyal to Jesus and couldn't do this and were socially excluded and economically disadvantaged. On top of all this, history notes that the Jews had been forced to pay a temple tax to continue worshipping in their synagogues. And now they were complaining that the, to the Roman authorities, that these Christians, not part of them, were not paying anything, meaning more punishment from the Roman state. But it didn't end there. This weary church was then hit by earthquakes. If you see on the map, Philadelphia is slightly more inland and it was hit by a massive earthquake in AD 17. Like the horrific images on our TVs of Many Turkish cities today, this city was completely destroyed and given the ancient architecture of civic buildings like temples, it had absolutely no earthquake proofing at all. Imagine these tall pillars cracking and crashing down. It's a really scary place to be. And many survivors from the church were poorer and they couldn't afford to stay and rebuild, so they had to leave Philadelphia. This church endured hit after hit after hit of being Jesus followers and citizens of Philadelphia. So how does Jesus encourage his suffering church? Well, first, Jesus says, you're not home yet. Have you had a moment where you are not sure where home is? Maybe you recently moved or I had moved to Queensland and was traveling a lot and I'd come back to Melbourne on weekends. And I remember someone asking me, where is home? And I honestly didn't know how to respond to them. And we see this with overseas missionaries. The feeling of home for them is mixed. There's not a strong connection to one place. Well, back to Jesus' letter to his church in Philadelphia. Notice that Jesus has no correction or warning for them. Verse eight, I know that you have little strength Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. See, Jesus, he names their hard situation, their little strength, weary as in their powerlessness, as an oppressed minority, as citizens there. Jesus names that in all their frailty that they were faithful, which was more than a never give up attitude, but loyalty to Jesus and his word. Despite all the unrelenting hardships and persecution and daily pressure to deny Christ, they didn't give in to compromise with the culture around them like in Pergamum and Thyatira. They didn't embrace the heretical teaching but stood firm, loyal to Jesus. See, this church's faithfulness to Jesus in all their opposition should challenge us. For many of us, opposition in loyalty to Jesus is more subtle. The idea of citizenship might not be in front and centre for you, but have you ever felt on the altar because of your faith? You know, even in a familiar environment amongst close family, with other students or work colleagues over lunch, or you're on game day at the sports club and you receive that mocking comment. You're socially excluded, isolated from their in-jokes. Maybe you're not invited out like others because of your faith or because you just don't want to get drunk with them on Friday nights. It can be disorientating and isolating being treated like an alien amongst those we love. When it's made clear that we do not belong and we're shut out from the party. See, in this series, we've been seeing Jesus is asking for loyalty um, from those facing immense pressures from those around them to conform. And Jesus is saying, we are not home yet. And no matter the passport we have, as the first humans asserted independence from God, we are all citizens of a fallen world that is impacted by sin and death meaning unstable tectonic plates, relationships, governments, cells that mutate to cancer. And I know for some of you, you have been taking hit after hit, weary from that worsening medical battle, exhausted by that relationship breakdown, overwhelmed by the financial stress as you face that interest rate cliff. See, suffering comes with specific temptations. While Jesus wonderfully encourages us to bring all our difficulties to him unfiltered, in your difficult circumstances, have you started to believe that God has just up and left, that he is indifferent to your pain? So it's just easy to seek comfort in our citizenship here, isn't it? Unlike the Philadelphian church overall, we are wealthy. We have resources to buffer ourselves from many hardships. So we remove what is uncomfortable from our lives, medicating ourselves with various idols of entertainment, shopping, sport, food and drink. But experience tells us that these comforts have no power to shelter us from being socially excluded for our faith. Has no power to stop that debilitating illness where we're feeling left out on the outer and everyone else seems to be enjoying the benefits of living here. In moments of suffering, it actually exposes that our citizenship here completely lets us down. And like the Philadelphian church, in all of this, are we found faithful for Jesus? When we receive those mocking comments, when we're misunderstood and excluded. Are we found faithful to Jesus when it's advantageous to impress that influential person? Are we found faithful to Jesus even when our world is collapsing all around? See, all in the trouble and opposition this church faced. it reminded them that not Philadelphia was not their home. See, Jesus encourages them to keep persevering, trusting him by reminding them of who he is. Jesus says he's the more powerful king. Have you ordered or bought something online and it hasn't come? So you call up, you look on the website, and the response has been, sorry, no stock. You have to wait months. But one day you go into the store And the assistant also says, sorry, no stock. So smoke is coming out of your ears. So you ask for the manager or you want to speak to the head office on phone. And finally, you speak to the right person, someone who has authority and power. And the situation quickly reverses out of nowhere. There actually might be one left out the back. Or we can get that shit to you today. No problem. See, to the seven churches, Jesus has been presenting his authority in different ways, and to Philadelphia, Jesus is the key master. Look to verse 7. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. This image of Jesus having the key is from Isaiah 22, verse 22, the one who unlock and open or lock any door for God's people. See, this church was facing doors slammed shut everywhere at the Jewish temple, doors slammed shut to their freedoms as the Roman state gave them a hard time. And it would be tempting to think that those oppressing them were sovereign and in control of their daily lives. And Jesus is telling the church he is the sovereign king. He is powerful over every jurisdiction, and he's the one who is really in control. In verses 7 and 8, notice the language. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So Jesus with the key means that what he does and says is unchangeable. It doesn't matter who has influence or power or a title. No one can interfere. And Jesus has opened this door right in front of this weary church and says, come through to me. Well, AFL season is back very soon. I know a number of you are excited and no matter our team, we all love those games where there's a dramatic reversal of the odds where the underdog team comes out from nowhere and defeats the powerful team. Well, Jesus is the risen reigning king, and he's backing his unlikely church that looks all but defeated. In verse 9, I'll make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. See, Jesus' sovereignty would bring a dramatic reversal to their current situation, publicly declaring that he is loyal to them, that Jesus is on their side and will vindicate them from their oppressors, turning the current power dynamic on its head. See, Jesus is not only powerful, but he is good. He's holy and true. And unlike those who is wielding power to harm, Jesus is completely reliable and can be trusted. It didn't matter that this church had little power or strength in themselves, that the powerful King Jesus with them. Who are you tempted to believe is ultimately in control of your life? The government? decisions of the reserve bank your employer as a church we can easily feel disheartened in how in media and the political realm we were once uh, socially had a voice at the table but we're now being excluded as a minority to the fringes of the society as a church we can feel disheartened as some parts of the church instead of being on mission is quickly declining in numbers making a real uncertain situation about the future of our church. But Jesus is on the throne, and he will vindicate his people. Jesus opens up the door no one can shut. See, in this letter, Jesus only has one command to his people. Verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have. See, in these letters, Jesus' message to his church has regularly been, Hold on to me until I return. For the churches in Thyatira and Sardis, they were to hold on by repenting from their sin. But for this afflicted church in Philadelphia, how were they to hold on? Well, Jesus says we have a better citizenship. In verse 12, ordinary believers, once excluded from the Jewish temple, one day would belong, made pillars in Jesus' heavenly temple. What a turnaround. See, in the Bible, the temple was the place on earth where God's presence would meet his people. And King Jesus was opening doors to his glorious presence. And this temple would be the centre of God's heavenly city. See, verse 12, Jesus writes these names on them, reminding his church of their true identity. Jesus is publicly declaring that no longer are they an excluded minority, but insiders who belong to him, loved by Jesus, treasured by Jesus, given full access, named as his own. See, their true identity is about the king they belong to, but also the city where they are ultimately citizens, the city of God. Verse 12 goes on to say, I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, where they truly belong. Their home was not Philadelphia, but the new Jerusalem in the new creation. In Jesus, we are citizens of a better city. Jesus is our risen and reigning and returning king and encourages a weary church to hold on, knowing we have a better citizenship. And instead of being excluded and misunderstood, Jesus opens the door to enjoy his better feast, where we're truly accepted and belong in his presence. Instead of being overwhelmed by sickness and relationship breakdown and many troubles, one day we're coming home to a city where there will be no more sickness or death or crying or pain. See, in the pain and uncertainty of this life, Jesus gives us the security of a better citizenship to come. Know your true citizenship. See, Jesus is saying, ultimately, we are not made for here. As citizens of this world, when we are weary, experiencing hit after hit, our lives lived lived here lets us down if it's where our hope is found. And when the sun is shining, when life is sweet, let's not get fooled by the fleeting comforts distracting us from our better promise. So even the best moments in life here don't truly last or completely satisfy. Think about it. You're on, you finally get away to that tropical paradise holiday, but you miss that perfect sunset because you're arguing with your partner or your head is in the toilet because you're as sick as a dog. Or you're on your wedding day and you have planned this since you're a child, but it rains all day and the perfect plan's out the window. Or you're excitedly planning that event to catch up with great old friends and a kid-free night, but one of them gets sick and you're forced to stay home and miss out. C.S. Lewis says, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I'm made for another world. Like the Philadelphian church, staying loyal to Jesus means we must hold loosely to our lives lived here. Late last year, uh, we went to Italy to visit my wife Adele's family, which was great. But the whole long-haul flying 24 hours from Rome with a toddler was exhausting. We're at our end completely, physically, emotionally, and I know it's first world problems. But landing in Melbourne, what gave me the strength to fight the crowds for our suitcase, the baggage carousel, and get through quarantine Despite all the weariness and little strength left, knowing my identity, belonging as a citizen of this nation, as I arrived at Melbourne Airport, we had the assurance of those e-passport lanes. While citizens of other nations faced custom queues miles deep, I carried on knowing that I could go straight through those customs machines, knowing the doors would certainly and automatically open for us and finally be back home to our beds. Friends, in our weariness, let's persevere. Jesus promises an open door to our better home. And because of Jesus' victory over sin and death, it means no hardships of living as citizens here can take us out even when we feel like it might. Jesus' promise of an open door is not only a future promise, but is also for us here now. In Jesus, we are citizens of heaven now. And despite our flaws and our difficulties through the Holy Spirit, he's building us to be God's presence here. Jesus has opened the door not to hide away from or judge the world as as hostile they can be at times. We're not just to wait around until Jesus returns. Jesus is opening doors for us to share his good news to people and places where the doors appear slammed shut. Right now, globally, there's revivals popping up in unlikely places among unlikely people. Yet, like in Philadelphia, Jesus has opened doors through his unimpressive local church made up of ordinary people like us. We are Jesus' presence. In this community friends we are hosting alpha in may and i encourage you to invite that friend knowing that jesus is the sovereign one that he is powerful to open the door and soften unlikely hearts offering hope to the weary to experience his better citizenship friends let us finish now reflecting on paul's words to the ephesians To become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.